I'm in New Mexico. We're staying here for the month to snowboard. Um, so we drove the past two days, uh, like all day long to get here. And um, this is the Airbnb. So <laughs> that's why so I've badass. got a that's... little <laughs> twin bed back there. Yeah, um, I, I saw, I heard that on your podcast because I was wondering why you're going to New Mexico. And then I listened to your podcast last night um, and I heard it on one of your episodes. Yeah. You're going to yeah. New Mexico to snowboard. Yeah. Yeah, we've been planning it for a while. It's like kind of the dream because we both work remotely. And so we were like, we should really capitalize on this and, and go somewhere <laughs> yeah. and do something. Uh. Cool. So yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, so I'll nice. introduce to everybody who David is. David is the host of Deep Drinks Podcast, a show that explores religion, philosophy, and science. And I was a guest on his show a couple months ago, and we had a lovely discussion about purity culture. And I got to tell David a little bit about my story. And now I'm thrilled to get to hear more of his. So, um, and I'm honored that he made the time to do it since he is a new father. So thank you so much <laughs> for carving out Thanks. time and congratulations. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, and thank you for the congratulations. We've uh, given birth to a beautiful baby boy, little Atlas, Christopher McDonald. Um, so uh, yeah, he's a little champion. Um, I love that so name. Far. Where did where did you guys come up with that? We had friends who uh, who mentioned they knew someone with the name Atlas, and it was because their family loved traveling. And um, and then I was like, oh, that's cool. And then when I looked into the 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 um, meaning behind Atlas, and it was a Greek Titan holding up the world. And that's what wow. inspired, that was written on the first Atlas and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is too cool. And then Christopher comes from my middle name, um, as well as my favorite, like one of my favorite thinkers um, slash authors, Christopher Hitchens. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. You recommended one of his books, I think, last time yeah. we chatted. God, yeah. God is not great. If there's yes. like, if there's any form of spirituality to atheism, that for me, that's my holy text that like okay. the, the way that he uh, talks about that. And you can listen to the listen to the YouTube, um, the audio on YouTube. It's, it's really, uh, the way he approaches, I think these big problems is, um, is very interesting, I think. So I really okay. like it. Yeah. I haven't yeah. gotten a chance to listen to that yet. I need to, now that I have time on my hands, um, I've been too busy rereading Atomic Habits. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> such a good book. Um, but yeah, I need, I need to listen to that one. Um, that's interesting. One of your favorite thinkers. I want to, I want to dig into that a little bit more. Um, but I want to start with an icebreaker because icebreakers mm -hmm. are cool and they're fun. So yeah. what is your favorite emoji, your least favorite emoji, and um, an emoji that describes you to your core? <laughs> that's that's a good question. Um, Assuming you're just... an iOS guy. Yeah, I'm an iOS guy. I okay. think, um, let me just have a look at what I, what I use the most. I'm a real big fan of um, the emoji that like looks like you're dissatisfied and looking off to the right or the left um Ooh. uh that one i I never use it but i'm I've, I've decided recently i'm gonna add it to my category of um of uh, uh emojis that i use on the regular um but yeah. but usually i'm just a classic smiley guy like a, a smiley with a little blush cheeks i i do that with everything okay um, smiley yeah. with the blush but smiley with the blush cheeks like all the way up or like tiny smile blush cheeks uh not not no no teeth just the uh, just a nice warm smile with but blush, there are two teeth. there are two oh, there blushes. Are. so there's okay, like tiny the one... smile oh bigger smile bigger smile emoji yeah. <laughs> yeah. i feel like tiny yeah. smiles like a little too flirty for me to integrate into my everyday life 
Yeah, I you know you see you see I worry about that because I I heart react everything on all social media things and I I send like hearts to everyone. So I I sometimes wonder if it's going to get taken um the wrong way. Um but I think people can know me enough that I I t- I tend to um flirt with everyone not not like seriously but like I just <laughs> tend to be like I tell everyone they're handsome or beautiful or whatever it's like I'm just yeah. kind of a weird dude like that. So I think people I love like, that. when they know me like oh yeah, they can. This is Dave. Dave does that. Well, so. I think you're safe because heart is also like the default emoji. Like if you double mm. tap a comment or something, that's like the automatic one. So I just think of it as like like you know, like you know yeah. how the thumbs up used to be a thing on Facebook. I guess maybe yeah. it still <laughs> yeah, is. Well, that well, that feels to me that to me just doing a thumbs up feels passive aggressive now. To me, it's like it's like, it's yeah. like oh, good on you, good job, buddy. Like thumbs up. Like you did it's a, good a little job. formal. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where the heart's just like, Hey, I like this. So it's, it's funny how the, um, it's changed in the, uh, the, the zeitgeist of online discourse. Totally. Yeah. What would you say your least favorite is? I'm really dragging this icebreaker out, but I, I am curious um, genuinely. I don't, uh, I, I, I don't know if I have a least favorite, um, like one that when you uh, see people use it, you're like, I don't know if I can trust that guy. Uh, I don't know if I have an answer f- for you, to be honest. Okay, um, fair enough. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, hey, I'm, I'm driven by intellectual honesty, and that is, I have to be honest. I don't know if I have a least favorite. No, I respect uh, that. Don't lie by, by all yeah. means. I think I'm mine is. Them. I'm trying. To, I'm trying to think. I don't. Yeah, you see none the that really... one that's like the tongue is out, but it's kind of sideways, and the eyes are different, sh- like size circles. It's uh, like oh, silly. Yes. Yeah, that. When yeah, people use that, that I'm like, you're unhinged. Yeah. yeah, there's something wrong with those people for sure. Um, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, definitely don't trust them. Um, but <laughs> okay. I don't know. If, I guess it could be used in certain instances, and not, and you wouldn't be like a full blown creep. Maybe um, if you're like a little, but, like had a little too much to drink or something, it's like, ah, uh, like I'm feeling silly. Yeah. The, the, um, the, also I'm just looking at this now, the, um, the emoji with the zip across the face, that's a little bit too Slipknot mm. for me. Like I, I love Slipknot. I'm a huge fan, but it just doesn't look right on an emoji. What's Slipknot? Uh, the metal band Slipknot. Okay. Yeah, no, the metal band Slipknot. It's okay. <laughs> I so I need to, I need to inform, I need to inform. So this happens every time we talk. So when you were on deep drinks, I just was blowing your mind with like the crazy, like I seem to introduce you to like the, we must grow up, have grown up in two different spheres of, of uh, the world or something. Cause you didn't know. About I mean, Christmas you are Hitchens. in Australia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but yeah. Um, I mean, like, uh, at one stage you like were convinced that I was like speaking in tongues because I believe in God at one stage or something in the, yeah. in the podcast. Because yeah. you say things in earnest, and so I like couldn't get a read on whether or not, which is like a beautiful quality, but I could not get a read on whether you were serious or not. Yeah. So I think just to give everyone context, um, you you asked me about speaking in tongues or something, and I explained it as if like I just like oh yeah, speaking in tongues, so they believe X Y Z, and then I just started speaking in tongues, and you were like blown away, like what podcast am I on? And I was like, well, you were like, oh, watch, no. I can do it, and then you were you did it, and I was like, okay, so maybe we should rewind and just lay some groundwork here yeah because you because you started with the should have bought a honda would have bought a kia or something yes should and i thought you were actually speaking in tongues so i just joined in um yeah which it sounds convincing i mean that's why if you guys don't know that's like the thing that everybody says in church wait is it should 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 have bought a honda but about a kia yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. That everybody says, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So you <laughs> really <laughs> pulled it out. Um, so speaking uh, of your show, you host a slew of incredibly interesting people. I don't know how you find them, but they all seem very diverse and and learned in their topics and subjects. Um, and the topic of your videos cover a range from like consciousness, cults, agnosticism, atheism, different social issues, so on. Um, yeah. So I'm interested because I don't think we we covered this. What what compelled you to start having these conversations? What made you curious and um, I don't know, motivated you to start a platform dedicated to those topics? That's a that's a great question. I think I've been asked that. So um, so initially, I decided that I wanted to stop living like stop secretly being an atheist. So, and I told my wife, I was like, I I want to um I want to start being involved in the in the conversation around religion, philosophy, and science. I I don't want to have to hide the fact to my family and friends that I no longer believe in God. Uh, and I I talked to Amy, my wife, about it, and I decided to create a YouTube channel called um there was called Dave McDonald. I've now changed it to at post faith. And I basically just put up videos like video essays, um, debates I would do things like that on there. Uh, and then one time my, one of my friends who I met in ministry college, I knew he had an amazing story and I thought I'd love to have him. Uh, I'd love to interview him about his story. So he was, um, I met him in ministry college when I was training to be a youth pastor and he was gay for 46 years of his life. Well, he still is gay, but he was gay. Right. Like he, he was closeted at the time, but he told everyone, you know, I used to be gay or I'm gay. He'd never had a partner. And, um, and I knew his journey was like really brutal. Um, and he eventually decided to come out of the closet a few years ago. And so I decided to interview him about his life and that process. And I have always had this concept about um, doing a, a podcast, like we drink alcohol. He didn't drink alcohol. So I thought I'll bring him a Pepsi, um, uh, Pepsi, uh, Dr. Pepper, which we, which are really hard to find in Australia. So I went to a specialty store and found oh, it. Interesting. Um, yeah. And I bring it along we hired a library and I, I, I recorded this conversation where I just went through his life journey. Uh, and then that, that went really well. And then I thought, um, I wonder if I could have a conversation with a Christian. So I invited Luckily, I had a bit of a relationship already online with Michael Jones of Inspiring Philosophy, and I and I brought him on, and that went really well. And I did a few episodes um, with people I met on TikTok and stuff, and it was the only thing on my channel that was doing really well. So I decided, screw it, I'm going to start my own the own deep drinks channel, and I moved all the episodes across to that, um, mm -hmm. and I just started doing it weekly. And so, yeah, I've had everyone everyone on from. Um, from people who have been in prison for 23 years who are now working to um, fight institutional corruption because they were sexually abused as a minor in um, prison. Um, I've had people like atheist activists on, I've had Christian apologists on. Um, there's, I, I keep talking about this Satanist that wants to come on, but um, and it's mm -hmm. funny, everyone chooses their favorite favorite drink to bring along, and I drink right. the same drink, and I the drink that. sets the tone. And uh, funny, Michael Jones, inspiring philosophy, you know, he's got 250,000 subscribers and he's a big, big name in the Christian ap apologetics movement online. Mm -hmm. And uh, he wants to drink straight scotch every time he's on. Right. <laughs> so we're drinking, we get drunk on straight scotch with the Christian apologist. <laughs> but the, but the, Satanist, the Satanist that wants to come on, he's like, 
I'm going to bake you pumpkin scones. He's like, I make the best pumpkin scones. And he's like, and we're going to drink tea. I was like, this is so weird. The Satanist is drinking tea and pumpkin scones and the Christian is drinking straight scotch. That's symbolic of something. That's (laughs) cool. I love, I I mean, I like, I really respect how wide of a net you cast with the people that you have on. And I, I think it may be a weakness of mine that I cast sort of a smaller net when it comes to people that I have on this show. And I've been thinking a lot about why, because usually the people that I have on are people who are, as you call yourself, post-faith, you know, they've been through some level of deconstruction, maybe Mm. they've held on to God, but it's not the same as it was. They're not fundamentalists. They're not, they wouldn't consider themselves really Christian anymore. And I think it might make me a little uncomfortable to speak to someone who is really uh still heavily indoctrinated and i'm not sure why mm. and i'm ki- i'm kind of trying to like process what that is inside of me maybe it's because the interactions that i've had have been kind of sour to this point but have you had mm. any experiences with that yeah absolutely um i i mentioned before we started that a friend from um that i kind of knew back in my youth group days just, was just over to meet our little boy um and yeah, the, the, I've had conversations with her till three in the morning where she's been crying for five hours straight and like essentially begging me to come to church and and wondering, you know, saying you're risking your life, you're risking your turn, like horrible. Really? Like where I've been, I felt sick for like, I felt sick and uncomfortable for like two weeks because it's just such a traumatic um, conversation. And also it puts you back into this old mindset for me. Like when I have conversations with like people who are kind of of, the same elk of christianity that i was in it puts me into this mindset of um puts me into this old mindset like this this um that that feels very uncomfortable uh but but what i find is if i can keep the conversation in in a different realm so with with the christians i bring on i'll usually try and approach things really respectfully but uh intellectually um so i don't i don't start um I try and keep it in the realm of intellect and that helps a lot um, with that. But mm-hmm. it's just, it is still something I, I still deal with. It's still something that like, I definitely have a lot of trauma around um, Christianity and, um, and like the fear of hell or um, uh, I guess um, the will of God, things like that. Like even right. though I don't necessarily, I'm not convinced of those things anymore. It's still scary. Yeah. So, so in terms of your personal life, not in an interview setting, but, say with the friends that you have that came over tonight to Mm. meet your son, how can you sustain a relationship that feels so emotionally volatile? Because I've really struggled with that. I have Christian friends in my life, but they've never said anything to me uh, that made me feel judged. I guess I feel like the moment that that would happen, it would be really hard for me to sustain a relationship. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's it's a really tough question, a really tough uh, reality, because uh, I I don't know. Inevitably, I think things things do change because eventually, if you're going on, if you're if you're on a different path in life where you're viewing things very differently, this this is sorry to get distracted, but this was something mm. I bring up with my partner. I said, yeah, my wife. I said, I don't need you to question your faith. When I was questioning, when I was looking into science and is the earth really 6,000 years old? Things like that. I mm. I said to her, I don't need you to question your faith or anything, but I feel like we're going to be going down two very separate paths in life. And I was like, I just need you to, um, I was like, will you listen 
to what I have to say. Like, will you, I, I, I honestly didn't want to change her mind or anything, but I just wanted to share with her the experience that I was going through. Like, this is what I'm going through. This is the stuff I'm learning. It's making me concerned or it's making me. And she said, yeah, I'll totally do that. But if she, she didn't do that, I don't know what would have happened because I think that inevitably what happens with relationships is if you're so diametrically opposed the relationship becomes less deep and more surface level so yeah we, we have we have examples of that even with my family so like uh, the other day we we're at um we're at uh we're at the dog park and a family member said i said we're talking about musicals and i i said oh have you seen moulin rouge it's fantastic and they said oh we won't we won't see that and i said oh why and they said oh it's um it's about prostitutes I said, well, yeah, the Bible's got prostitutes in it. And they said, it's not the same <laughs> yeah. thing. And I said, um, I said, it's like PG. I was like, there's no nudity or anything. And they said, no, yeah. I said, they said, there's still people in lingerie. Why would you? And they said, what they say, they said, why would you put that stuff into your mind? And I was like, mm. and with his comments like that, which was like, that is a little bit frustrating, but it's also like, okay, like I, all I can do is like nod and smile and like shrug my shoulders. Like, and sure. you can't have that deeper kind of connection. You know what I mean? So there are ways that it does affect things. So I don't have a good answer. <laughs> yeah. And I don't either. I think, I think one of the conclusions that I've come to is that in a way it, it is essential. I think I'm, I'm moving into a season of searching out that, um, I don't know, uh, what's it like resistance, uh, conflict. I don't know, like uh, the tension, mm. um, in my relationships, because I don't want to be in an echo chamber. I want to, and that's something I respect yeah. about your videos is you, you are communing with people that you don't agree with, which really mm. is essential to a well-rounded examined life. In my opinion, mm. because otherwise you are kind of living inside of this narrative that you've created and it is like an echo chamber. And so, although it makes me uncomfortable, I am trying to seek that out more. Um, but I really like that, that your show does that and it's been really cool to see. You know, not to get too deep, which is my biggest problem, deep drinks, right? Um, but <laughs> I, I would have died for my faith. Like I would have Me definitely, mm -hmm. yeah. Like if, like I said publicly, if, if someone held, held a gun to my head, and asked me to denounce Jesus or die, I'd die. I, I think I said something as stupid at school as I would do anything for God and said that, and everyone was asking, would you do this for God? And I said something as stupid as I would kill my whole family if God told me to. Right. And then I would obviously preface it with saying, obviously God would never say that. And I would, you know, and, and if I knew it was God, then how could I say no? Which is, I think is still a fair argument, but it's kind of horrifying that I believed in something so strongly. And now I'm, I would have, I'm not as convinced. I'm not as strongly believing in my, um, my worldview isn't as strong as it was back then. But so it's like, I have to, I have to always, I have to always be open to new information because obviously I believe the opposite of what I believe then and I would have right. died for it. It's so, so interesting you say that. Cause like when you are in a Christian space, when you're back in the day, when you were indoctrinated into organized religion, saying things like I would die for my faith is noble. Like that is the goal. You want to have a lot of faith. You want to be really strong and concrete in what you believe. And now that I'm on the other side, it's like the opposite. It's like, I, I want my mind to be 
malleable. I never want it to be so solidified that I can't allow any other thoughts in. And so mm. it's almost like I I would hate to have a faith that strong. Like my own personal beliefs fluctuate almost hourly, like constantly. And I'm open to that. And I don't know, like, do you think that there is any nobility in having a faith so strong that you would die for it? Mm, no, I, I think that um, I, I'm pretty anti-faith. Um, mm. I I think faith flies um, planes into buildings and blows up abortion clinics. I think faith is is talked about as like a good thing. You've got to have faith. You've got to have faith. And I would just exchange that word for hope. You've got to have hope. I agree. You've got to have hope for things. It's important to have hope. But when it comes to faith, um, like if if faith can lead me to Yahweh, uh, or excuse me if that's an offensive term uh, for any Jewish members, but um, if faith can lead me to like, you know, Krishna and someone else to Zeus, doesn't that demonstrate that faith is an unreliable pathway to truth? Right? Like, so if faith can lead people to do two very different conclusions it demonstrates to me that faith is not reliable oh sorry my, my watch <laughs> um it demonstrates to me that faith is not a reliable pathway to truth and so if yeah. it's not a reliable pathway to truth we shouldn't we shouldn't like it's not a good thing to use to try and get to truth well i think um, there could be like a broader pluralistic um view of that you know maybe the faith that you have in a specific path is leading you down a road that leads you to the same place. If that makes sense. And that kind of faith, would that be uh, more admirable? Um. So could you give me an example? Like, like um, having, are you, are you talking about like having faith in like that you're doing the right thing in life that you're on the right path or no more so um, like, so Christians could have, um, mm. you know, a really strong faith. They could believe that they have found truth and maybe in a way they have, but maybe in a way, uh, you know, Hindus have also found truth and, you know, Muslims mm. have also found truth. And so they have faith in their sect, their, uh, their branch of religion. But in the end, that truth is coming from a higher, more broad source like a, a more pluralistic view ah, of religion. so so okay so are you kind of making the argument of like god is a mountain kind of theory like i haven't is that heard what you're that kind of saying so it's like it's like everyone has a different path up the mountain that we're all trying to get to god essentially yeah yeah okay yeah i do like that concept there's um I, i'm it's i think it's a buddhist text or it might be it's a parable a buddhist parable but it's um it's like blind men all touching an elephant and they're all describing parts of the elephant differently. They're like, it's got a big trunk. It's got, it's got big tusks. It's got, and they're all describing part of this elephant, but they're only getting part of the story. Mm. I kind of like that concept um, when it comes to like um, God, it's like a fun concept um, in the way that like thinking about Zelda is like a fun game or um, <laughs> like taking, you know, smoking weed around a fire and talking about if aliens exist is like a fun you know fun thing to do yeah, but there. but yeah mm -hmm. but um but in regards to like um truth um like what we can determine to be true in reality i have i i always go back to um asking the question what reason do we have to believe what we believe is that reason justified um you know is is, is there other alternative explanations i'll i'll usually point to david hume if anyone's read He's, mm. you know, he's a Scottish Enlightenment thinker and um, he's, he's uh, fantastic in regards to scepticism. 
you know, is is it more likely that that you saw a miracle or that you were mistaken? That those kind of that level of skepticism, that level of like, mm. is it more likely that you're having a divine connection with a all powerful creator of the universe three uh, two million years after um, our common ancestors started walking upright? Um, or is it more likely that you're wrapped up in the emotion of this church? Is it more likely that you've gone through a traumatic event? Is it more likely it's a case of hysteria? Is it more likely um, it's a psychological phenomenon? Is it, is it more likely that you're experiencing the same thing that thousands of other people with different faiths, faiths are experiencing and mm. you can't really attach a truth claim to that? So that's where I start and kind of end with with that. Um, okay. Although the idea of the elephant is a nice idea. <laughs> I will say. It is fun. Um, do you... Do you feel like the the practice or concept of faith has a valuable place in life outside of organized religion? Um, that's a good question. I think um I think faith, yeah, yeah, I would say so. Like faith in your football team is like mm. super like that's what that's how a lot of people treat their belief actually, is like it doesn't matter if my team is losing or it's my team is being caught cheating. They're, they're, the, they're, the, they're the best cheat. They're the best team. They'll always yeah. win and blah, blah, blah. Um, or they, they didn't really lose. Like you can see it with politics today, not to get political. I don't like to get political, but we have, you know, entire parts of the US, um, US uh, population who don't believe the election was real. You know, like they, they deny, mm. deny, regardless of what side you're on, they have very different perspectives about what happened objectively. Um, and I think that's that type of faith is, is um, yeah, it's, 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 so just to back up a little bit, because I feel like I'm rambling, I'm on a soapbox talking about faith, but um, what I would say is religion, I love religion and faith and and those things, but in their correct context. So I think that religion is an excellent way to organize society. I think faith is an excellent way to um, find purpose and meaning and structure in your life. Uh, I just don't think it's valuable when investigating truth claims. Does that make sense? Mm, which is generally all that it's used for <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no i i understand that i've i've been really interested in the concept of faith recently because if you had asked me you know a month ago if i had left my faith i would have said yes but mm -hmm. i've been kind of taking inventory of the ways that faith persists in my life outside of organized religion and you know there are ways that I feel like I'm implementing faith maybe on a subconscious level, like in the ways that I'm exploring consciousness, um, enlightenment, mm. you know, secular Buddhism, although it's not dogmatic, I think that takes a certain level of faith to sort of invest in. And so I think when you really sit down and think about it, like you may have left the faith, the big faith, but like the, I don't know, the capital F faith I have left, but like yeah. the little F faiths I still have. <laughs> That's that's interesting. I'd love to have you on Deep Drinks to talk about that actually, because I think there's a good conversation to have around that, especially around like things like consciousness. Because how mm. do you, how do you, first of all, you could be like a boring skeptic like me and just say we don't know what consciousness is, so end of conversation, like whatever. But <laughs> if you if essentially like the ideas around consciousness is a faith step. You know, you hear a lot of people say, "I think, therefore I am," right? But right. which is Rene Descartes, but but I, I I go even further and say I don't know if you can say that because as soon as you say I, you're already assuming a bunch of stuff that you can't justifiably mm. 
you, you, you're mm. already assuming that you exist, the universe exists, and you can make observations of the universe. As soon as you say the word I, and I think, therefore I am. So you're already <laughs> assuming a bunch of stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so it's, it's like, true. It's like, it's like every, um, I don't know, every, every worldview, I think requires like some amount of faith, even that, like, you know, I am what, what I'm kind of caught up in, like the, you know, stripping yourself of ego, like stripping the identity, like unattachment, mm-hmm. things like that, mm-hmm. like that requires a level of faith as well. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Um, I don't know if you'll leave this in, but are you exploring uh, any like things around like psychedelics or anything like that at the moment? Yes. And I've talked about it extensively on this oh, podcast. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. That kind of set me in motion. Um, yeah. Disclaimer, you know, make sure you know your family history and stuff. Don't just jump in. I talk about it a lot and I probably should be more careful about that because I don't want to be prescriptive about my advice, but it has been really interesting for me. Have you done any of that? Or... Um, I've, I've done, I, you know, I went through a stage where I smoked a lot of weed and, um, and did acid uh, once, I think like a small dose of acid and, uh, and nothing to have like a real effect. Um, I, I have a psychologist who is very big on the, mushroom therapy and stuff and he's waiting for it to become um uh like legal in australia to actually do it as part of the therapy will because it? of the results yeah it, it looks looks wow. like it will yeah but in the, at the same time i do want to like i'm the same i i think there can be interesting conversations to have around that a really good book is um how to change your mind by michael pollan he talks yes, about not 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 ever doing psychedelics and going into it but i have had friends who have ended up in mental institutions for long periods of time after what I would say overdoing psychedelics. So doing three doses of acid and, and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had a friend who took, um, I guess what some might consider a heroic dose um, of psilocybin and Mm. it was after we had all done it together and it was a really beautiful spiritual connecting experience. And just that little bit more, he was in a depression for like, five or six months and like lost a ton mm. of weight. And so I, I definitely don't want to speak too lightly about that stuff, but for me, it has been really transformative, um, in small doses, which is all that I would recommend, but mm. yeah. Um, anyways, there, yeah, there are, <laughs> there, there, there are ways that like, there is definitely a conversation to be have around that. So I always go back. I'm, I'm interested in one day doing it. Um, uh, maybe when I'm like retired or something and the kids are out of the house or something, like whatever, I don't know, sometime when <laughs> I feel like I can get depressed for five months if I do. Um, but the, the thing for me is I don't know if, I don't know if I like the idea of ever making, cause what I've noticed and tell me if I'm wrong is people who do psychedelics, they tend to eventually get to the stage and I, I hope this is insulting, but they, they start to make prescriptions about reality based on their subjective experiences. So they'll say things like, I was on a different plane of existence. And you're mm-hmm. like, okay, like how were you actually on a different plane of existence or did you just have this experience? And that's where I that's where I I don't want to ever be in that spot where I'm making like prescriptions about this is reality based on my subjective experience. Like when you say that, like are you what what would that reality because in some ways I think that it does do that, but I think it's very sobering. I don't think that it confuses. Because when I do it, it's like, oh, this is reality without my ego. This mm. is how connected I feel. This is heaven, essentially. Like, mm. you know, you you are not feeling any sort of, uh, I don't know, 
self-absorption. You're just one with everything. You feel a lot of love to me. That is kind of like what that's like our core state without ego. Mm. And so in that way, that kind of like supplemented my idea of reality, but it was really sobering. It it wasn't like, I don't feel like I'm living in delusion. Yeah. I think I would. uh, Yeah. So that's, that's part of it. Uh, That's, I think that, I mean, we can, uh, we can talk about something different, but, um, but in that instance, I think that you're kind of, it's kind of loading the, uh, the conversation a little bit where uh, mm-hmm. when we're talking about ego, it's like, well, have you, do you know who Deepak Chopra, Deepak, Deepak yes. Chopra is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Try and try and like break down anything that he's saying. Nothing he's saying is, has any substance. If you look mm. at what he's saying, right. He's like mm. the, or Russell Brand does this. He'll like, he'll say like, he'll use like a bunch of words that don't actually have meaning, but they connect to people on like a, on like a, an emotional level. And I, think I understand. That's the problem when we, yeah. Yeah. So, so for me, um, when we say things like, oh, it, it, it gets rid of our ego and things like that. I think we're loading it with, um, more mysticism than I would like. I would say that mm. if I, and this is just me once again, being objective, once again, if I was in the backyard, just enjoying this, I could say, I could use these words and totally be okay with it. But, but for me to, make prescriptions like it's melting my ego or it's making you know or i'm having this spiritual connection i'd have to want to define what those words mean Mm, mm. and so for something like ego it's like well you know okay let me ask you this how could could you tell the difference between something legitimately melting your ego or giving you the experience or the illusion of melting your ego like is that is there a conversation to be had around that I mean, to me, my instinct would be they're the same, right? Because the the only mm. egoic experience you have is the one that you experience. So it's like your perception mm. is all that matters. Um, and admittedly, you know, it's a balance. You have to stay mm. rooted in reality. But I am someone who is a little bit more, I don't know if, I would say that I lean sort of interested in mysticism. And I think that in Mm. some ways that is kind of related to my spiritual practice. So that's probably why that was my interpretation. But I think if you went into that, you might have a completely other interpretation. It might be beneficial, but because your view is a little bit more, um, not clinical, but maybe clinical. I don't know. It's like binary. Yeah. I know know what you mean. Like, don't, don't worry. I'm hearing myself talk and I'm like, man, I sound like such a like like skeptical douchebag but no no i totally understand i try and investigate these things someone who you may really like um i'm not sure if you know them or it'd be great to have them on your podcast is biddy buddha she's a uh Mm. have you had have you heard about biddy buddha no she's um she's an atheist but she practices what she calls and she's writing a book about it she's practices what she calls ritual agnosticism so she still likes she still likes um, Buddha statues. She still has crystals. She does tarot card reading, but she okay. doesn't subscribe a truth claim to them outside of the subjective experience. That resonates with me. Yeah. yeah. So I think you'd really get on with, I, I interviewed her on the podcast. It was, it was, it's really interesting because um, for me, I understand where she's coming from. It's like, it's like placing it in the category of art, right? I'm not going to go like if kind of what I'm coming across, how I'm coming across is like, I'll walk into an art, gallery and start like judging all the art for not being realistic enough or whatever where mm. i think what you're saying and what biddy wood is saying is like it's like the art part of your brain it's the part of the brain that's like connection flow taste meaning like it's sure not, it's, it, it doesn't really have a connection with 
binary ones and twos and numbers and you know right i i totally relate to that i think i i (laughs) i kind of like to play pretend like that's my view of like crystals and stuff like it's kind (laughs) of like i know they're not doing anything but to me and like tarot like i don't ascribe too much inherent value to the cards more than Mm. a self-reflection tool which i think that kind of describes my view or practice of spirituality is like you know, as, as a Christian there, the source of truth comes from the biblical canon. My source of truth comes from me, like what I experience, you know, all of that lives abundantly inside of me. And that's kind of how I operate. So those things are just like fun tools and stuff like that, but people do take them seriously and no hate, no hate. I'm skeptical. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen enough evidence. (laughs) Did you, um, did you ever grow up playing video games or do you play video games at all? I think I played like the Shark Tales PS2 game <laughs> when that came out. I love that. <laughs> so I, I used to be a game developer, right? Or oh, I still mm. kind of, I used to make indie games and and um, I teach people indie games and stuff. And um, one of the things that you'd learn in, in game design is um, is the is the process of um, or what I'll call, I'm kind of blending two things together, but like ritual and like items, right? So one of the biggest things that um, free-to-play games give you is they give you this like they give you something in the game right and then you die and you lose the things that you're going to that you've won these imaginary items mm-hmm. and they go you want to you want to save it all for a dollar and then you pay the dollar because you're more likely you, you actually have formed an attachment to the items that you've collected rather than if you were to just buy the items so there's lots of game theory that goes in, in behind this the reason i'm bringing this up is I'm currently playing through The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. And in that game, you collect like spiritual stones, like once you beat a temple. Mm. And even those stones, even in the context of a video game, when you have those these spiritual stones, when you've got the spiritual stone of the forest, the spiritual stone of the, the Zora's Domain and the Fire Temple, you actually go, oh, you feel stronger in the game. Your character subjectively feels like you've accomplished more. Um, mm. And even in the context of a video game, crystals are working is, is, is kind of what I'm saying. Um, okay. You know, and it's it's part of, I think it's part of human psychology. There's a fantastic book and I'm telling everyone about a million books, but there's a fantastic <laughs> book called The Thing About Religion. And it's about the things about religion. Like religion has a lot of things in it. Um, not just mm-hmm. like, it's it's human nature to um, create images in stone and, um, and, and to assign meaning to things that we find that are beautiful um Mm. have you ever seen how many how many posters have you seen on facebook or images have you seen on facebook of a sunset and a psalm written in the bottom right hand corner of the the image versus like that same thing with like a spider right like no spiders are seen as not as beautiful creation but they're still created by god right like under their worldview right so it's it's human nature to put put subjective meaning into these things and yeah 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 I, I think that's so true. I need to add that book to my list as well. Um, <laughs> I'll I, send you a I, list. <laughs> yeah, please do. Please do. <laughs> so remind me how how you grew up. Like, uh, what what was your flavor of religion as a young adult slash child? Yeah, so uh, I grew up... Um, um, like as a Christian, my mother, like we read um, stories in the Bible as a kid. And my mom, my mother would, I'd always ask to read the story of King David over and over again. Cause he had the same mm. name as me. I was a <laughs> bit of an egomaniac, obviously. Um, cool. <laughs> but, um, but uh, you know, during my teenage years, I kind of drifted away from um, 
from God, I would say. And then I went to a youth group, three girls invited me to a youth group. I went along uh, and I had what I can only describe as like a tremendously powerful spiritual experience. Um, mm. And I say spiritual with air quotations because I, it's, I'll just say experience, emotional experience. What and, about it did I, you attribute to being extremely spiritual? Uh, so what happened was um, I... The, the you know it was a typical youth group people jumping at the front during praise and worship we had some silly games a preach and then worship at the, at the end but the difference was is the worship at the end was led by this really um really powerful speaker who was the youth pastor and he spoke about the power of god and revival coming to the place where i lived at the time noosa mm. on the sunshine coast in queensland australia and i I uh, and people were coming at the front, and they were like teenagers, like my friends from uh, that I knew from school, and they were getting prayer and they were lifting their hands, and they were um, some of them might have been falling over. I can't remember specifically, and I remember sitting at the back of the room, and someone came up to me and said, "Do you want to go at the front?" And I said, "Nope." Um, and I remember talking to God because I believed in God, and I said, "You know, God, I'm not ready to for this life. I'm I'm wanting to." Um, you know, I'll, 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 you know, build a relationship with you when I'm 40, when I'm 50, you know, I need to live my oh, life. And but stuff. you believed in him, but you were kind of holding yeah. back. Okay. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd kind of like, um, you know, I kind of like drifted away at that stage and I wasn't ready to have that relationship. And I, I started feeling quite anxious and I looked outside and I was about to leave, like just walk out of the room. And I saw, um, the, the lady, the, the, my friend who was just over our house before this interview meeting Atlas, um, she was out the outside looking through the windows cause she was running another event at the church, a kid's group thing at the church on the other side. And I'm coming through to look through the windows. And I knew if I go outside, she'd want to talk because I, long story short, I kind of got her, she kind of left school cause I bullied her for being a Christian. <laughs> so, the time, so. <laughs> oh, we got to dig into <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. But, um, not really, but like we, we had, so we had some, she she tried to go to a non-christian school and um i love that you believed in the christian yeah. god but you were like fuck <laughs> you guys yeah <laughs> you take um, this shit seriously it was it's i probably said it a little bit i was probably said a little bit uh it's probably anyway i scratched that as well it wasn't it was not as bad as it seems so i didn't bully her but essentially <laughs> i would ask her tough questions and my you know anyway okay regardless. okay um, so I'm in church and I was like, damn it, I can't, I can't leave. So I just put my hand in my hands and I started to like pretend I wasn't there. Next thing I know, I felt like these hands on my back and I didn't know, but there were people at the front who were praying for me that they, and then they felt God tell them to come pray for me in the seat. So they came over and they prayed for me and they put their hands on my back and they started praying over me. And these teenagers that were my age were saying things like, I know that you feel X, Y, Z, but that I didn't know was saying, I know that you feel X, Y, Z, but God wants you to know ABC. And it was all things that were hitting me deep in my like heart, I guess. Were they specific? Uh, specific kind of like. Or were they like horoscopes? Anything. Like you woke up this morning. It was like the equivalent of like, um, you know, if you were to make the same assumptions about, well, first of all, there were some people in that group that knew me. Um, so they probably talked about me in previous meetings and like, oh, this guy's coming to the church. But secondly, um, you could make the same assumptions about anyone who's sitting at the back of a youth hall with their arms crossed, looking like they don't want to be there. So 
they right. came over and they said things like, I know that you're depressed and blah, and you, that, that you feel depressed sometimes and that, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, but God wants you to know that he loves you, blah, blah, blah. So it was like things mm. like that. But mm. it was stuff that I needed to hear at the time. And I broke down into tears. I looked down at a puddle of tears on the ground. I felt drunk for like two days. I felt like all the hate that I had in my heart just left. Um, Whoa. I, I just felt like the, the weight of the world lifted off my shoulders and I just became it, it, instantly at school. Um, I came to school and someone said, um, cause I was still, I was literally out of it. Like I felt like I was drunk and I went huh. to school and I, I said to, uh, someone said to me, one of my good friends said to me, um, uh, Oh, I heard you went to youth group and you, um, you got saved. And I said, I didn't get saved. And I was like thinking, I didn't get saved. And they said, yeah, Rachel, Rachel told me on MSN, remember MSN, <laughs> Rachel told me on MSN that um, you became a Christian. And, and then I thought to myself, wait, yeah, I, I did. I actually did. Yeah, I did. And then I thought, yeah, yeah, I, do. I am a Christian actually. And then I, <laughs> they, and I it's they like, just it's see only the kid then. crumpled over in a corner, bogged their eyes out. They're like, that's the only conclusion we can make. Well, no, <laughs> just I think I saved. said, I think I said the sinner's prayer and everything. Like I said, oh, like I think okay. I, it was a big experience because eventually so I, your ass I, got saved. Yeah, but I didn't realize it because I was so out of it for like two days. I just felt like, just like a new person, and um, huh. and then uh, luckily enough, like two or three weeks later, there was a youth camp, and I went along to the youth camp, and it was like, you know, like one of my good friends, um, Carmen. I just seen her pass out right right next to me in the middle of the worship. Wake up on the floor like a few hours later. You know, I saw people having like convulsions. Um, what kind of church and, was like, this? Pentecostal. Okay, <laughs> so like, got it. <laughs> so uh speaking in tongues, out. yeah, yeah, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So it was really like uh power of God kind of s- movements. You know, there was there was times when we would we would like the camp area would be making us dinner, but we couldn't make dinner because the whole place was still praying for like four or five hours. I'm talking wow. like we had all just pulled mattresses out from the um the area and there were like 40, 50 kids, like teenagers from like the age of like eleven to 17 all crying and praying and singing together without the instructions of any adults like they're just there doing that yeah so this was a tremendously powerful experience experiences a few of these and you know we prayed for um once again sorry that lady we prayed for her she had like a blind eye and we tried to like pray for her to get be healed and nothing happened but you know we still built everyone's faith and yeah Mm. and, and from that point everyone at school kind of knew me as captain christian i was I was running Bible studies at on at um in my, in my lunch break um with um people I um would became an emerging leader I started started reading the Bible all the time um I would wake up every day and and like immediately think like start praying and think about God like I was I was obsessed mm-hmm. I wrote a big yeah. I wrote Psalms ninety one across my wall right yeah and now I, I no longer believe. That. <laughs> so so what what was the um i guess the turning point then at, at what stage of life were you in and what was uh causing that so i at uh, my deconstruction or my um, yeah mm-hmm. yeah so i eventually i eventually became the youth pastor i went through ministry college studied um the bible and went uh and then eventually went to we became the youth pastor so i took the youth ministry over from like 100 we had like 100 kids on a friday night um I remember I was in like 19. I remember a parent dropped off their kid and they said, where are the adults? And I said, it's me. Like it was just me oh, and like a wow. hundred kids. You were 19 youth, already 19. the youth pastor yeah. before yeah, you yeah. went to school for it. 
Uh, no, it was after I went to school. So I dropped out of um, high school in grade 11 and worked for a year to save up the $4,000 I needed for the ministry college. And then I went to so ministry college So you didn't need a GED for ministry no. college? Oh no, I didn't even need the I didn't even need ministry college or anything. I didn't even need anything to become the youth pastor, but you don't even need the Okay. Yeah, cuz I took it over from once again we're in a pretty faithy kind of church. I took it over from this youth pastor who felt God told told him to go start a church down in Sydney and I and he believed that God wanted me to be the next youth pastor and then the senior pastor thought that God was saying the same thing, but then the associate pastor who I was given to the care of thought that I was too young, which I probably was. Okay. Um so that's that's what yeah that's what happened so i was a youth pastor for a little while and then i eventually lost the job of a youth pastor i was kind of weaseled out by that associate pastor who's now the senior pastor but but um i kind of it's a long it's a kind of long and boring that part is a kind of long and boring story but enough to say that i essentially lost the job of a youth pastor and then as a result, I was very confused about my faith um i thought it was god's plan um I thought that I stuffed up God's plan. I got really depressed. I started drinking, um, like to go to bed to help me to sleep. Like I would mm-hmm. sneak into my mates, um, who wasn't a Christian, that my roommate, I'd, I'd get his vodka and I'd, I'd skull a little bit of vodka to go to bed. Mm-hmm. Then we had a, a roommate move in and he was like always smoking weed. And I was like, what is the weed like? And he's like, it just makes life better. I started smoking weed. And then I started getting anxious when I wasn't smoking weed. So I started smoking cigarettes to get the head rush from um that yeah. I would get when I'm smoked weed and like it, my life kind of very spiraled really quickly um but I still had this faith in in Jesus and stuff and um but eventually uh what happened is I got my life back on track I met my beautiful partner we got married the first time we had sex together was on our wedding night we were mm. pretty devout Christians again like everything was going well but it wasn't until I had a few things happen then I started to want to investigate them um investigate my beliefs so I got really interested in science um I love watching Big Bang Theory I know a lot of people hate that mm-hmm. show but I loved watching Big Bang Theory and how they how Sheldon kind of looked at the world scientifically I liked that mm-hmm. um I then I saw the Ken Ham versus Bill Nye debate on have we talked about this I think we we have the maybe the um what if anything would change your mind yeah, I think we talked about because yeah. I love that debate oh, as well. And yeah, we no, went to the that's... Creation Museum. Did you listen to that podcast? Yes. Okay. I started yeah. listening to that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, this is yeah, this is so funny because that's actually why I asked you onto the podcast because I the, the it was the the first video of yours that I subscribed to your TikTok um, was the one where you're watching the you, you were like um, it's like that song losing my losing religion, my religion. Yeah, and you're sitting at the back of the youth hall pretending like, <laughs> oh my gosh, what is this? When you're watching the Bill Nivers can handle it, yeah. And I was like, that's so true. So for me, it was for me when I watched it. It's like when you're, it's like when you're really religious, you've got like these blinders on. Because I remember watching the whole thing and thinking to myself, they're both making equally valid points. Like now I look back at it, right. and I'm like. <laughs> I'm like Ken Ham made didn't actually make a point. He actually didn't make any point. Crazy? He just kind of said like Christians can be uh scientists can be Christian too. That was essentially his whole argument. Bro, he's um, a loser. Like if you look back, <laughs> I mean like I yeah, like watching that back now and the ark encounter where they walk through the ark. I don't know if yeah. you've seen that. Oh, yeah. That too is just as damning. It's crazy. Mm. But yeah, so you watched and, that um, and that was a factor. Well, actually, side note, um uh Ken Ham actually so 
Ken Ham actually studied at a university just an hour away from me. So in Brisbane. So in Australia, there's like Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, and everything else in between is towns. And then okay. the, there's the other side of the country no one cares about. But they're the main like main cities. And he was in the most recent city to me. Um, I go down there all the time for work. It's like, oh, that's where he started. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, it was the. It, so I watched it at the time, and I was like, oh, they're both making pretty valid points. And I was just kind of like bored one night. I was probably drinking my home brew that I made, um, you know. <laughs> and I was watching it um, at home, like late at night. And then there was that one question at the end uh, that would that 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 spun me out, which I've mm. I've since found out it was one of um, Seth Andrews' questions that he gave to one of his audience members to ask. But it was, what if anything would change your mind? And mm. for Bill Nye. He just said, evidence, anything, mm-hmm. give me, give me uh, a fossil swimming from one layer to another. Give me, you know, anything. And Ken Ham answered and he said, nothing, essentially. He said, I start from the Bible and that's where I start from. And, right. and it was, um, it was shocking. It was a shocking admission of the dishonesty. And yep. it was that one moment that got me to go, hang on, I need, I need to investigate this. And then when I did investigate it, uh, investigated it, oh my gosh, <laughs> when I did investigate it, I I not only found out that I was being misled from people who had good faith intentions, who just had the wrong information, which I think the majority of people are, but I was being misled by people who were deliberately and actively, knowingly lying. Yep. He's a total and grifter. I, I'm convinced that he he is lying. Like he knows. I don't think that he believes it anymore. I I can't believe. Like I couldn't believe it. These people. Yeah. Because to me it was like, wait, it was so confusing. It was to me it was like, wait, you believe in Jesus and you believe that you're not to lie, but then you will lie. And th- there's quotes like Aaron Ra, another another book. Aaron Ra in his foundational falsehoods of creationism, he quotes Christians who are uh, Christian apologists and, and these scientists who say it's okay to lie if you're lying for Jesus. And you're like, yeah. what? Or I mean, um, that's that's all apologetics is, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, don't get me so um if anyone wants some spicy tweets, go subscribe to me on Twitter. I post the spiciest of tweets. But Ooh. the spiciest one of the spicy tweet that I recently um posted was it's not actually, it's not very spicy, but it's a, an epiphany I had. It's like you have a conversation with any apologist and you ask them like why they believe in God and they'll give you all this evidence. Oh, the Kalam cosmological, um, Kalam cosmological argument um, or the fine tuning argument. They'll give you all these reasons. Right. And then you ask them, why did you start believing in God? Oh, I was brought up as a Christian, blah, 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 blah. Or I had Bingo. this, you know, I was addicted to drugs and he's like, okay, so at those times when you didn't know the Kalam cosmological argument, when you didn't know all these things, was your faith justified? They'll right. always say, oh, no, it was justified. Like, like it's it's so silly. No creationist, no um, apologist believes in God, be- started believing in God for the reasons they now give to defend God. Right. And that's, to me, that's crazy. Um that's why, like, when we yeah. went through the Creation Museum, it's like, they're not changing anyone's minds here. Everyone here who's being emotionally impacted by this came in believing and will leave believing. Yeah. But there are yeah. no there are no evolutionists going in who are changing their minds. There are no atheists going in who are like, oh, this, finally, I found compelling evidence. You know? And now we go into my hot new game, Answer like a douche. I know it doesn't make sense now, but I'm about to explain. So I know you're into (laughs) philosophical questions. And um, 
as has been previously proven, I like to put people on the spot. So, um, if, if you will indulge me, close your eyes. Okay. Imagine the douchiest asshole douchebag ass wipe in the world. Okay. What do they look like? What are they wearing? Okay. (laughs) It's rhetorical, but Uh, you can answer out loud. (laughs) Singlet. Uh, cargo pants with like a like a metal thing attached to a belt attached to a wallet. Um, skater shoes. Okay, <laughs> what do they smell like? Um, Lynx Africa. Mm. What do they taste like? Just kidding. Unless, just kidding. Uh, but unless you want to, they just they just appear salty. They always just appear <laughs> salty. Perfect. Um, okay, so you see this person in front of you. Now step mm-hmm. into their skin. You and them are one flesh. Okay, oh. are you there? Open your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Now I want you to answer these questions like that person. Is the most important purpose in life to find happiness? Yes. Now I feel like to get a well-rounded like view, I, I need to know your answers, but we'll keep going with this. I knew this might yeah. be a flop, but I just thought it was so fun that I wanted to try it. Okay. <laughs> no. Would you kill 10 people to save 100? It's not my business. I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care about it. I'll just go back to, um, I'll just go back to <laughs> cooking a barbecue and like <laughs> trying to, <laughs> trying to, Trying to hook up with babes. That's what I do. You're trying okay. to, I'm trying to think like a douchebag. I can't. Like most so, douchebags can't well, think. Like. What What is your connection to barbecue? Like, uh, I don't know. Well, I'm just trying to think like I'm, I was seriously actually putting myself in those shoes and I'm like, what's around me that's douchebaggery. And then I was like, well, if I was, if I was like having a cigarette around a barbecue while like not really listening to someone and cause we have a barbecue at my house, that's the only thing I could think okay. of. So, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Understood. <laughs> Does I love the barbecue, law... but... I was about to say he has some weird vendetta against barbecue, but uh, <laughs> enough said. Fair enough. Um, does the law of attraction exist? Absolutely, because like, why wouldn't like I like thought of a job I really wanted, and then like I got it, you know? And like, how can you deny that? <laughs> it's so true, though. I kind of feel like that kind of thing is like <laughs> praying, like in a way, like oh, I got this job, like God is so good. And there are like yeah. children with like bone cancer and it's like, okay, so yeah. where was he yeah. there? You know, it's like yeah. law of attraction only works when you're like already kind of privileged. Yeah. The law of attra- <laughs> the law of attraction and prayer works to help you get a car space when you're running late for work, but not for children with bone cancer. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, this is interesting. I'm I'm excited to see where you'll take it. How did the universe begin? <laughs> Oh my god! I don't, I'm trying not to make. I hope you can edit this and cut out all the pauses because I'm trying to think of like a really douchey way to answer this. Um, well, <clears throat> the Bible says that the fool has said in his heart there is no God. Obviously, God created everything, uh, and that's just where everything came from. I mean, we learn in school in this new woke agenda that like the Big Bang created everything out of nothing, and that's just stupid. So, like, obviously, God created the universe, and that's that's it. I would hate to be alone in a room with this guy. (laughs) I would feel so threatened. Um, All right. Well, we'll wrap it up. I know you've got a a newborn on your hands. What time is it there? 
Um, it's 1 p.m. Um, I was up okay. till, I usually do the nights though. So I do till like 3 a.m. So 3 or 4 a.m. So um, I'm, okay. I'm just starting my morning. I've got my morning coffee and yeah. Got it. That's great. Well, good morning. <laughs> I hope you have a great yeah. rest of your day. Where can our listeners um, support you and find more of you? Uh, well, you can find me on youtube.com slash deep drinks. Um, and that's probably the main area where you get nice, relaxing conversations um, with lots of different people. Um, I also have other stuff online, but it's more me screaming and more spicier takes. So if you want them, you can find them on deep drinks as well, but youtube.com slash deep drinks. There's also links to Spotify and everything else like that. And uh, Emily, I must say, you, we have to, I think we have to have you on again, um, not only because I think you're a great person for another conversation but because your episode i don't know if it's because of your seo or something but your episode has been downloaded three times more than anyone else's episode on Are spotify you kidding? yeah <laughs> everyone <laughs> has loved your episode so that is really uh, great to hear yeah so well, people, I would love people loved it i would love to come on it's always a pleasure speaking with you i feel like if we just had an infinite amount of time i would like <laughs> get just glean so much from our our conversation so that would be amazing well, um, let's let's let me ask you this then. What will be your drink of choice this time? You know, it won't be a white Russian because <laughs> it was good, but it wasn't like great. I don't know. I don't yeah. know how you felt about it, but like I felt a little weird the next morning and I only had like one and a half. I think it's like the cream just makes well, it I did, heavy. I'm a vegetarian um, and we, I usually drink like soy milk and stuff. So I mine oh. was soy milk. So I didn't get that that that. Because I, I imagine that if it was like cream, I would like be shitting myself most of the night. So um, just lactose yeah. stuff. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, soy milk, that's like kind of light, right? Like yeah, I feel like light, that wouldn't yeah. make a very good white Russian because you need like heavy no. whipping cream. Well, it was pretty good. Like it was really oh, delicious. Really? The, the soy milk we get is like $5 a liter. It's ridiculously expensive. But Okay. Got it. It, it costs, it tastes really good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Cool. Um, yeah. I'll have to think about that. I think maybe something bubbly, easy yeah, to drink, nice. you know? Yeah. yeah right. we'll, we'll, awesome. I'll think about it. It's, it's always interesting to see what people drink because the drink sets the tone. And there's been some episodes that me and the guests, like I'm trying to find the end stream button because we're so drunk. Um, so there's always episodes oh, like that that are real fun. I want, okay. <laughs> I want us to be drunk okay, by the yeah, end. We, so I'll, I'll yeah, um, cool. think about it. Okay. Well, awesome. thank you so much, David. Always great talking to you.